You're listening to the Grid Iron Growl Podcast from ChopTalk.com. Welcome, everyone, to this Cotton Bowl preview show from ChopTalk.com, where the Florida Gators will take on the Oklahoma Sooners here in the Cotton Bowl in Arlington, Texas. And a showdown that looked to be pretty even stats-wise on paper, but uh, looked to be favoring Florida in the earlier going last week with them coming out as a three-point favorite. But now it's starting to look a little bit bleak as Kadarius Toney and Trevon Grimes are added to the list of opt-outs for this game, along with Kyle Pitts on the offensive side of the football And on the defensive side of the ball, Marco Wilson has also opted out of this game. And then we heard the news late from Jacob Copeland that he had tested positive for COVID-19, and he too will not be playing in this bowl game. Uh, The Oklahoma Sooners' best cornerback, Trey Round, has also opted out of the bowl game. So that will help a little bit here for this young wide receiver core that's going to be out there. So, uh, ouch. Uh, Florida has a lot of ground to make up in this game, especially with... The receiving department in the remaining games, wide receivers being Justin Shorter, Rick Wells, Trent Riddlemore, Xavier Henderson, Jamarcus Weston, Jaquavion Frizziars, if I said it wrong, I'm sorry, and Jordan Pouncey. So some big names still in the wide receiver department for Florida in this game, but obviously the lack of experience between all the receivers with, I guess, the exception of Shorter could hurt us big time, but still a lot of talent, and we will get into this after we thank our sponsors here on ChopTalk.com, and that would be the UPS Store in Tower Square in Gainesville for all your printing and shipping needs. Make sure to check out the UPS store in Tower Square. We'd also like to thank the band Felicity for sponsoring this show as well. The song that you heard at the beginning of this podcast is called Circles, and it's from their album Brace Yourself. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, Pandora, YouTube, Spotify, and many other music platforms. So, Brian and Jake, with all that being said, man, uh, some opt-outs on the offensive side of the ball. Fans may not be too thrilled about going into this game, but... Very understandable, and and an opt-out on defense that fans are probably really happy about. But uh, before we get into all of that and into this matchup on the field real quick, let's go into a little Heisman Trophy talk here uh, before we preview this game. Jake, Brian, uh, who do you think wins the Heisman Trophy and why? You go first, Jake. Uh, I'm going to go with who should win it. It's probably going to be – I think we all want it to be Kyle Trask, but I think Devontae Smith deserves it because – I don't think there's many guys who's doing what he's doing right now, and he's a guy who doesn't have the ball in his hands every single play like a quarterback does. And it would probably give some vindication to D.D. Westbrook and Amari Cooper who had great years and were really underrated when they did. Brian? So if we're going to go simply who should win it, I'm going to go Kyle Trask. I think pound for pound, he's been the best player in in the country. Uh, he's also doing it with perhaps the um, the least amount of talent surrounding him, whereas you look at what Mac Jones and even Devontae Smith, they've got five stars everywhere. They have an offensive line that gives them all day to throw. Um, I think, like you said, pound for pound, I, I'm going Kyle Trask here, and I just I, I don't see that it's even that close. I'm kind of at a uh, loss here. Um Kyle Trask deserves to win it, should win it. Um, do I think he will win it? No, I think they will pick Devontae Smith. I think he's the favorite. But um, as we've seen in years past, uh, we've had, and actually they're quarterbacks, quarterbacks like Tim Tebow losing three games, still winning the Heisman. 
quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, I think he lost four games, three or four games, still won the Heisman. Um, I think a lot of that's going to have to take into account, especially when deciding the Heisman. I know that there's been plenty of Heisman winners. I think even Bo Jackson, when he won his Heisman, I didn't think their team, I think they lost like three games or something like that. But there's a lot of three and four loss Heisman winners that, that, that have won the Heisman before in history. So I, me personally, I think it will be interesting to see how they decide the Heisman. I don't think Trevor Lawrence wins it. I don't think Mac Jones would win it. I think the best overall player on that Alabama squad has been Devontae Smith. So if it was an Alabama player, I would pick Devontae Smith. But uh, Kyle Trask deserves, I mean, like you said, Brian, you have no run game, no defense. Um, just the only thing, you have a one-dimensional offense that teams are can easily prepare for. Uh, you're going to pass the ball just about on every down. That's easy for any defense to, to, to defend for. And Kyle Trask has burned all these defenses. Every single defense Kyle Trask has went against, be it Alabama, be it Georgia, he has completely torched their secondary and the backfield. And Dave, I just have a problem giving the Heisman Trophy to a guy whose team had two other guys in the top five in voting for the Heisman. You can't tell me that Devontae Smith is any more important than Najee Harris than Mac Jones is. That's where I give Kyle Trask the advantage. I know Kyle Pitts finished 10th in the voting, and we can talk about what a crime that is. But I just I, I think that having three guys in the finals shows you that he, he it wasn't necessary for any one of them to pull through like it was for Kyle Trask. Jake, you got any takes on that? No, I think, I mean, I, I think Brian's right. Kyle Trask is the most important player on for his team. But I just think Devontae Smith is, like, he, he just lines up with what Heisman winners seem to be looking for in terms of, you know, best player on the best team kind of deal. Like I said a couple weeks ago around Thanksgiving, it's always the best player on the best team, and the best player on Alabama is not Mac Jones. It may be Najee Harris, but it's Devontae Smith right now, and that's why he's going to win. But debatably, in the beginning of the season, it was Jalen (laughs) Waddle. We don't know that, though. Right, but we don't know that that's not. That's what I'm saying, though. With Alabama, you can plug and play. Let's go. (laughs) Fight, fight, fight. That's the point that I'm trying to make. That's all. (laughs) No, because when when they had John Mechie in there, he didn't put up the same production Jalen Waddle did. It's not that plug and play. Well, Mechie was pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see that. I like that's that's a damn good argument. I, I mean, I could. I I don't understand that there is some Alabama fans out there, and and I get a lot of them are bandwagon fans, and they've probably been back bandwagon fans ever since the Mark Ingram and Greg McElroy days. But I'm I know that there's some that aren't that I know personally, but they don't even give Kyle Trask any kind of. Uh, just any kind of chance to win it or, or want to say anything good about Kyle Trask. And I just like, how I like, I can talk good about your receiver and how he's caught 1500 yards and deserves to be in that category, the Heisman, but you can't tell me one good thing about my quarterback. I, I, I don't get that. That's, that's a little bit of bias. And me personally, I mean, he deserves, I mean, Devontae Smith deserves to be in that conversation anyway. I mean, he's, he's broken Alabama receiving records um, that they're undefeated, but you know, I, I just don't think that Heisman goes for the record as much as everybody thinks it goes for a team record. But I mean, I could be wrong, but um, no. you know, it, it, I do hate, I mean, I hate it when they count losses against a guy 
I mean, if Paul Horning can win the freaking Heisman with a losing record, then so can Kyle Trask. We'll take your word on that. We weren't around back then. <laughs> you can just look it up. Yeah. I, I think the, the most recent to win the Heisman with, with that many losses wasn't Lamar Jackson, wasn't it? It was two that he I think he won in 2016. Yeah, Lamar but, Jackson. I think um he, the Baylor yeah, like, quarterback, Robert Griffin the third, also had three losses. Yeah. He got to Sean yeah. Watson, who had like 40 touchdowns that year. Which is crazy to think about. Yeah. I don't know, man. That'll it'll be interesting to see. I guess um, I I'm not gonna get my hopes up because I'm just with with this year the way that it's. Oh, been. and I, I fully expected to go to either Mac Jones or Devontae Smith, but I mean you've seen the campaigns on ESPN. Their graphic had three faces on it, and Kyle Trask wasn't one of them. Yeah. I think it was our guy Billy Long that actually went and said, "Hey, I fixed it for you, ESPN." But yeah, it, it is what it is. Well, that was from the get go, but now Kyle Trask's face is on it. But, uh, yeah, but when it first came out, yeah, you're right, Brian. I did not see Kyle Trask's face on there, and there was a lot of fans really pissed off, and I, and I agree. I was kind of mad, too. I'm like, you can't even consider him for the Heisman. <laughs> I mean, even if you don't want him to win or think he wants to win, you could at least put him in that Heisman ceremony because he's earned it. And, yeah, and, uh, and then is, for me. All I'm saying is Trevor Lawrence's immune system isn't good enough to win the Heisman. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but he's good enough for that number one pick in Jacksonville, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, we got Ohio State good enough to be in a playoff, only playing like not even half a schedule or something like that. And then, uh, you know, we got uh, Notre Dame in there getting blown out by Clemson, and you know, being a twenty-point underdog to Alabama, or yeah, underdog to Alabama. I mean, you, you obviously got the the best teams in the playoff, right? <laughs> I said this earlier on Twitter. I said if, uh, if there's a team that is a twenty-point underdog in the playoff, they probably don't deserve to be in the playoff, but. That's Just another. imagine what that would be if it was anyone else, though. I don't think Florida would be a twenty-point underdog to Alabama, considering the SEC championship they had against them. But yeah, I but mean, you, you can't. We've also lost three games, and I understand why we're not in the playoff. But I'm just saying, yeah. you know, you got to put the best teams in the playoff. That's what the committee's for, right? Okay, but yeah. you know, I, I will tell you, it was kind of interesting, and, and I know this is getting off topic a little bit. The um, the playoff committee. You heard all year. Oh, you know, this is the year we should go to eight teams. That there's going to be. Let's be real. There's two teams deserving of that shot right now. Let's go down to two for one year and then expand it to eight later if you want. But there's two teams that are going to play for a national championship. And we've seen this tale as old as time, as, as Jake said uh, in an article last week. Um, this is a year that nobody cares about those semifinal games. Nobody's expecting a lot. Let's just go straight to the championship game. Wake me up when it's over. <laughs> I am excited about that Ohio State Clemson game, but I think it's funny that now we all hate the play. Everybody hates the playoff. It's like the trendy thing to hate back when hating the BCS was the trendy thing to hate. So you know, how, I, I think the playoff would be much better if it had a BCS system to it. I think I that's think what everybody wanted. It seems everybody just wanted the bracket. They didn't want the committee for it. Right, and that's that's the human error element is the problem with the pl with the playoff. It's not everybody loves the playoff. The teams love the playoff because it's more money for them and their conferences. But yeah, we want. I want to know if UCF goes undefeated in 2017. Does the BCFs have them in that top four? If not, then it doesn't matter. It's but people decide. Ah, hey, UCF played a bunch of weak schools. Guess what? So did Clemson. Okay. Yeah. It's been back to back that it's that old. I think it was 2007. USF was undefeated. They were like at one point the number two team in the country. 
So I would think UCF would be able to do that with a BCS ranking. I would be fine with eight because we always say at the end of the day, sports are supposed to be fun. And I think it would be fun to have eight teams. It's, you know, we don't need to take this this seriously. I think it's just, I think it, it would be, it would be great because I would go eight teams and then the first rounds are played on the college campuses. Absolutely. I think that's one thing that's kind of missing. Um, I wish we could go back more to the traditional like Rose Bowl matchup between the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Um, but it is what it is. This is what we're at now. And, and at least for the short term, it's not changing. Yeah. We'll be interested to see if they go to eight teams. Um, yeah. Speaking of that, we kind of got off topic there with the Heisman and all that. But uh, it's all good. We, we got a little up in arms. Had a little good conversation here at the beginning of this podcast. But uh, Heisman, Sarah, Heisman Trophy Ceremony will be January the 5th on a Tuesday. So, uh, yeah, everybody tune in and see whether Kyle Trask de- defeats the odds here, wins the Heisman, or uh, goes over to somebody from the Alabama sideline. I don't think and, it's... I don't and think we'll see all of you Gator Nation on Twitter <laughs> complaining, I'm sure, about the third-place ranking that Kyle Trask finishes with. <laughs> gotta love those, uh, gotta <laughs> love those Heisman voters there. Uh, but anyway, uh, before all of this even happens, we still have a bowl game to play, folks. It is the Cotton Bowl in Arlington, Texas right now. ESPN's Power Football Index has Florida at a 42.7% chance to win this game. I'm assuming that will go maybe a little bit more down considering the opt-outs because this was before the opt-outs to Oklahoma's 57.3. That could go up as well. We will see uh, Florida, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, Florida was a three-point favorite. Now they are a three to 3.5 underdog with the opt-outs. Stats uh, on paper, uh, they're, they're, they're pretty equal in, in most of the categories. Uh, Florida is averaging 41.6 points per game, while Oklahoma is averaging 41.8 uh, points allowed per game. Florida is giving up 28.6 to Oklahoma's 21.9. Total yards passing, and this is all per ESPN, Florida is averaging 388.4 to Oklahoma's 321.6. Yards rushing, Florida is averaging 120.5. That's I'm pretty sure that's ranked pretty low in the nation. To Oklahoma's 154.2 yards allowed. Florida is allowing 404.7 yards to Oklahoma's 333.6. Uh, so yeah, that's per stats per ESPN here. Uh, just kind of little basic stats here, but man, uh. Kyle Trask going up against uh, facing off to a uh, first-year quarterback here in Spencer Rattler. Uh, Spencer Rattler's stats hasn't been too bad. He's thrown about 68% for the year. He's thrown for 2,784 yards, 25 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. But on the other side of the ball, Kyle Trask has, has amassed 4,000 yards, passing 4,125 to be exact, with 43 touchdowns to only five interceptions with a 68 to 69.69% percent completion rating here so uh he has improved since last year i think uh will miles has actually went over a couple of kyle trask stats last week here on the pod and uh he went over how much trask has improved but man trask has got a day ahead of him with these with these wide receivers out he's made tight end kyle pitts out so it'll, it'll look like a different offense there on the field and uh hopefully man uh hopefully these uh these backups and these young guys have been paying attention to practice and hopefully they can uh squeak us out a win over here against the uh oklahoma sooners 
Oh well, I I think it I think this is gonna be like I think it's gonna be a really tough game. I thought it was gonna be a tough game before all the opt outs. Now it just gets a little bit harder. But I think something you can lean on as if you're Florida is the fact that your young guys all got you know the guys you're gonna play instead of Tony Pitts and Trayvon Grimes is guys like Xavier Xavier Henderson and you know uh, Kamori Gamble and. Oh, gosh. Keon Zipper. Yeah, Keon Zipper. Like, guys like that and Justin Shorter. Like, all of them got quality reps earlier on in the season. And I think that can really benefit Florida in that sense. Now, is it going to be the same as having those three main guys out there? No. But I think it helps having guys who just know to be in a situation like that. Yeah, uh, it's going to be weird. Uh, there's a lot of positions now that are in question of who do you think is going to take the reins at that position? Because you're going to have to shuffle a lot of people around, I'm sure, now with 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 what you had, especially on special teams. Uh, you had Kadarius Tony returning kicks, and his backup was Jacob Copeland. So uh, who returns kicks this game? It's definitely going to be somebody different. Um, maybe, maybe he sticks Lingard out there. Maybe he'll let Lingard return a couple of touchdowns or something like that. I think that would be pretty cool to see, but... Uh, you know, I mean, put your fastest guy out there, let him return kicks, especially if he's backing up the running backs. I would at least put my fastest guy out there or my sure-handed guy out there. Um, yeah, maybe you see Malik Davis. Sure. You could have seen Malik Davis return some kicks. You never know. Um, I've seen him. I've seen him take back kicks, but I think a big thing here is that Florida fans, I've said it before, are going to see what this offense is going to look like next year, minus the fact that Kyle Trask probably won't be starting next year. Right, and, uh, and I'm actually curious to see if Florida does struggle passing the ball with these young receivers. If they try to turn to the run game a little bit, you might see a little bit more of Emory Jones in here to help out the run game if they are struggling as they have struggled all year. So maybe you could see a little bit more Emory Jones this game on some design runs or some uh, you know some packages here. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're obviously going to have to shuffle people around. And um, it's, it's going to be weird to see, man. It's going to be a weird offense to see out there on the field, but... Not really anything changes that much on defense with exception of Marco Wilson opting out, which I said just about every fan is probably happy about that. But uh, still, man, uh, this defense needs a lot of work and it is not coached correctly. And um, hopefully we can get some kind of good defensive play out here in this game in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, And as I said, Florida did come into this matchup as a favorite. Now they are an underdog. And Florida right now is averaging 7.2 points per game, while Oklahoma is averaging 6.2 points per play. So, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely Florida has a little bit more of a points off offensively, a little bit more of a, an advantage there, I guess, or just stats-wise. But uh, I know me and you were talking before this uh, podcast, Jake. Uh, we don't don't really know too much about Oklahoma. And for people that don't know too much about Oklahoma and who we should look out for on that team, uh, could you give us a little rundown of players that we might want to look out for? Yeah, for sure. Some guys you want to look out for, obviously quarterback Spencer Rattler, the whole show, um, and their running back, Ramondre Stevenson. Now, he's a guy who played for them last year, but in the playoff, before that, they got TS. He was suspended with two other players who were back on the team for, uh, I believe, a marijuana possession. So after that, you know, he is, he came back after about six, five, six game suspension. He has over 400 yards in just six games, and he's been 
really helpful in stabilizing their running game, uh, helping them in short yardage too. He's a big guy, very uh, Najee Harris-like. Another guy to look out for, at least on defense, is uh, the other guy who got suspended, Ronnie Perkins. He came back and in five or six games only has has about nine and a half tackles for loss and five and a half sacks. Uh, that defense for Oklahoma is a lot better than it used to be. It's a very good one. It's kind of weird. Their offense isn't as prolific. It can still put up points, though, but it's not the same as when Baker and Kyler and Jalen were there uh, running the show. But this is definitely a very dangerous um, Oklahoma team. Another guy to watch out for, at least, is their wide receiver. His name is Marvin Mims, and he actually leads the team in touchdowns. He averages about over 16 yards to catch, and only he's got 36 catches on the year. So he's definitely a dangerous guy to watch out for. Yeah, as you were talking about the uh, the running back there, Ramondre Stevenson, man, uh, he's uh, averaged 11.7 yards every time he touched the ball. So, yeah, yeah. that's that's – Pretty dangerous, and he is six foot and two hundred forty six. Very Najee Harris like, and you know, as we played Alabama, man, they, they did struggle against Najee Harris there in the backfield and uh, trying to uh, protect against uh, Najee Harris from rushing the ball all over him, which they couldn't do either. So, yeah. Game so for, no, go ahead. For Jay. instance, I'm sorry. After they they uh, actually, what's it? Oklahoma comes into this game having rushed for over a hundred yards in, I believe in one. Two, three, four, five, six of their last seven games, and over 150 in five of those seven. So, Ramondre Stevenson has definitely helped them a lot. Yeah, and one thing that obviously Stevenson has helped with the running game, but he's also helped with the passing game. What you've seen over the last seven games, all of them Oklahoma wins, was Spencer Rattler's become much more of a confident quarterback who has shown a lot of development since the beginning of the season when he did show struggles. After the first couple of games, a lot of Oklahoma fans and even a lot of just people watching were saying Lincoln Riley made a huge mistake not going back to the transfer portal. And here we are, and, you know, Spencer Spencer Radler is doing enough to get them the win, and then he can hand it off to Stevenson and kind of go from there. But the development of Spencer Radler is what has helped change, and a lot of that happened because of Stevenson's return. Yeah, and it's amazing how a run game can really help out a quarterback. And you said it, Brian, man. We, we don't have a running back on our team that has been able to prove to do that. And and I'm hoping that we have some sort of run game against these guys, especially if these receivers and these young receivers are struggling. You're going to need some kind of help in that run game. I, I expect a lot of wheel routes to the running backs this game. I expect a lot of running back catches. I expect, uh, you know, Justin Short is going to have to step up. Uh, you're going to have to get those Xavier Hendersons and those Rick Wells and it just the the receivers that have been there for a while are going to have to kind of step up and um you know and maybe we have a sleeper here on the team that's a young kid that that hasn't hasn't came out yet and maybe we'll see it in this game and uh, what works to Florida's advantage I guess here too is there's not a lot of film except for on Justin Shorter not a lot of film they can really look at on Rick Wells or Xavier Henderson or Trent Whittemore um they just got what they got maybe from a couple of games but I mean that could work in Florida's favor. I know that um, they're they're giving up a lot of yards per uh, game. Oklahoma's giving up 475.8 yards per game, but uh, Florida's also giving up like almost 500. So yeah, that uh, are, are, 
it, 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 and I know a lot of people are going to say Oklahoma didn't play a tough schedule, and I know they didn't. No, everybody knows that. But still, this defense has shown that they can't stop anybody, and um, I think I think we're in for a game here. I, 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 I'm not going to look past Oklahoma. Well, like Jake said, Marvin Mims averages 16 yards per catch. Yeah. This is going to be a team that is not afraid to air it out against Florida. They also have Theo Weiss, who has f- almost 500 yards on only 36 catches. They're going to get their chances, and Florida's secondary is going to have to step up. Obviously, we like that Marco Wilson's not going to be there, but guys like Trey Dean are going to have to step up this week. Yeah, and I'm curious to see who takes Marco Wilson's part. I, I, I'm guessing Jadon Hill. Um, would would be behind him on the depth chart there, but yeah, people people like Trey Dean and and it, you got, I mean, you're gonna have a young guy back there uh, after Marco Wilson, so every, people are gonna have to step up this game. And you know, Oklahoma is missing their best corner this game, so you can, I guess, take advantage of that, and, and you may even be able to take advantage of that with a young guy out there with with not a lot of experience, put him on another young guy, and get your best guy like shorter on somebody that has a little bit more of experience. Uh, it'll just be interesting to see you're just gonna have to shake up a lot of things there the the, uh the opt-outs were a surprising thing as i picked up my phone today um i did expect some of uh, probably Kadarius tony maybe to opt out i wasn't sure about trevon grimes but we also didn't expect jacob copeland to come down with the rona and uh yeah that really hurt so i I figured maybe there with justin shorter and jacob copeland we'd be all right now that copeland's gone it's kind of a little bit worrisome uh but uh Florida, a little bit more notable stats here. Florida is averaging 0.59 points per play while Oklahoma is averaging 0.55. So every time pretty much they they touch the ball, uh, Florida's point average is a little bit better than Oklahoma's. Florida is converting 51.97% of their third downs to Oklahoma. It's 39.4. So there's a little bit of an advantage there, I guess. But uh, I know, Jake, you made the reference earlier and talked about, well, how many times have they had to get to third down? This just goes by any time they've had a third down, if they were able to convert it. But, yes, you're right. If, if a team doesn't have to convert that many third downs, that's yeah, that, that just means your offense is humming. Uh, Florida's red zone scoring percentage is 92.8% to Oklahoma's 938 So that's a pretty even matchup right there. And uh, actually a scary matchup for both teams. Uh, well, and the, the red zone is going to be a crucial part of this game because Trayvon Grimes is not there because – Kyle Pitts will not be playing. So guys like Kamori Gamble and Keon Zipper are going to have to step up in the red zone. It's something that we really didn't get in the LSU game. These guys have to make that impact now. Yeah, and the way Oklahoma's defensive line's been playing, I, I, I don't want to see a quarterback run if we get to the one or two-yard line. But hey, you know, maybe. Unless they put Emory in the game. That's, that's the kind of situation we've been wanting Emory in all year instead of just throwing him in right after Kyle Trask has completed three or four passes. Yeah. Um, they're, they're still going up against an elite quarterback in Kyle Trask, a very accurate anti-elite quarterback. So, yeah, um, I, I'm pretty sure Oklahoma fans don't think they can just waltz out of here with a victory, but with with those opt-outs, if I'm an Oklahoma fan and I saw that, I would I'd be kind of smiling from ear to ear, but still be very weary of that. But uh, Florida, Yeah, I mean, it, if, uh, if Sam Ellinger can get over 400 yards total offense and six touchdowns, what can Kyle do? Um, it, it, it's going to be a different team. And, and we're, we're actually going to see how, how – I mean, Kyle Trask is good anyway. You could start him in the pros. He's, I think he'll do great in the pros. But you're really, really going to see how good he is now with all those receivers missing the tight ends. And I don't think Florida loses a lot at tight end here. I know Kyle Pitts, obviously, that's a lot to lose just 
based on how good Kyle Pitts is at, but you still have Kamori Gamble. You still have Keon Zipperer. Yeah, those are two, I mean, Kamori Gamble's proven he can be a clutch tight end in those situations, and then uh, Keon Zipperer has also made some plays this season, so he's number one tight end in that class as well. So the tight end position, I'm not too worried about, but this wide receiver position, they've recruited well at, at the wide receiver position. It's just the experience factor that's really going to be coming into play but you know who knows uh florida is giving up an average of 5.5 yards per play to their opponents while oklahoma is giving up exactly five so yeah oklahoma has a little bit of an advantage there florida's defensive red zone scoring percentage is 82.9 to oklahoma's 84.8 so close there too as well um now you want to go into some of the bad statistics wait we didn't yet (laughs) yeah they're still bad (laughs) <laughs> let's talk some secondary man <laughs> secondary um uh well like i said uh oklahoma is missing their best cornerback but uh still has playmakers and we're we're actually missing our worst cornerback so that probably worked both in our favor too <laughs> but uh some of the bad i took well, down dave we're gonna actually get to see we've been clamoring all year to have somebody take marco's spot on the field we're gonna find out this week if we were right, or if Todd Grantham and Dan Mullen were right. Yeah, and we had a discussion. Is it is it the players? Is it Grantham, or is it both? And I said, it's more than likely just a collaboration of both. I mean, you you also, you still got to put your players in good position to be good. I mean, if you're putting Marco 10 yards off the guy in front of him, and you know it's going to be a quick slant, how's he going to succeed? <laughs> you know? But, uh yeah, it's, not, it's some of the bad in this game, and I've already mentioned probably some of the bad, but it's it kind of almost when you look down here, it gets a little bit worse. Oklahoma has the 18th ranked defense in the nation this year. Now, obviously, they don't play a tougher, tough as schedule as Florida, but still, that just means Oklahoma's defense is going to be better. But uh, Kyle Trask has torched every defense in front of him, even in the secondary, but has a whole list of new wide receivers in front of him and, and tight ends. So, uh, yeah, that's one of the stats that are kind of – uh, I didn't like to look at the uh, the Sooners are also fourth in the nation against the run. So if we couldn't already run the ball, yeah, they're number four against protecting against the run in the nation. They're the eighth team in the nation in red zone defense, only allowing a touchdown 30% of the time. They've sacked the quarterback 38 times this season. Good for sixth in the country. And we do not have a running quarterback starting. <laughs> Oklahoma's offense is top 20 in scoring and yards per game. So if that wasn't scary enough of what I just read to you guys, that's that gets even scarier. But uh, Florida did, does have some advantages here. Uh, like I said earlier, Oklahoma is giving up 475.8 yards per game. Their leading receiver, like you said, Mims, has only caught for 583 yards. Um, I, I know our leading receiver caught for 984 yards, uh, and his name was Kadarius Tony, and he's not playing in this game. So... Yeah, that's, that, that could be something to worry about as well. They've already had losses to Kansas State and Iowa State, but as Jake mentioned here before the podcast, uh, and, and, and everybody's, you know, in the nation, if you've watched Oklahoma football, Oklahoma's improved as the seasons went on. Um, so I kind of can look at those and, and be like, eh, well, maybe and maybe. They've also played teams who do not have great defenses who give up a ton of yards per game, like Kansas State giving up 424 yards per game. Texas is giving up 409. Texas Tech was giving up 427. And Kansas was giving up 459. Now, they have played teams that 
didn't give up that many yards per game, maybe around that 300 range and all that, but uh, still was able to beat them, still was able to come out with a win. And, um, yeah, and, uh, against the teams who they've played who were kind of in the middle of the pack in defensive yards given up, they've kind of struggled to score with, except for Oklahoma State. They completely killed Oklahoma State. I think it was like 41-17 to 17 or something like that. Uh, but uh, Rattler is obviously a first-year starter, so trying to force him to make mistakes would obviously be nice in this game. Um, you know, if we can rattle Rattler, that would be great. Uh, they have also only played one top 10 opponent on their schedule and lost in their first game 37-30 and then won the return matchup 27-21. to And that was against Iowa State. Uh, this Iowa State team also had an early season loss to Louisiana Lafayette 31-14 to and a 24-21 to loss to Oklahoma State. So, uh, you know... Uh, you want to pull out some of the good from that i guess you could but man um florida is is a different team coming out on the field in this bowl game and uh you don't know what to get uh, there's gonna be a lot of surprises this game and uh hopefully they're good surprises and not bad and uh yeah there's just a lot of odds makers in vegas uh not giving florida a chance now um some of them didn't before even the game which i thought was silly but now you know uh the the only thing that that does Make me feel good about this is Kyle Trask is still starting the game. Kyle Trask is an elite quarterback, but can he have that collaboration with these new wide receivers out here on the field? And can they, some of these wide receivers get it done? Um, we saw some good plays from Rick Wells when he was on the field. Um, we saw some decent plays from Xavier Henderson. We also seen him uh, run the wrong route and cause Kyle Trask to throw a pick six in the uh, Georgia game. But uh that's the only thing that worries me. I don't know about you, Brian. Uh, I, like, the, the new wide receivers, I know that they're talented. I have no problem against the, the young kids being out there or anything. But what really concerns me is making freshmen and first-year mistakes and uh, running a wrong route or uh, just not having enough practice uh, on, in an on-field situation and maybe causing an interception for your team or something like that or, cause, or, or fumbling a ball. You know, I've said for several years to a lot of people that I think bowl games are going to become like an early spring game where you see more and more of that youth and that development start to take place. And those and some of those guys are more or less pushed out. And I don't think Dan Mullen pushed any of these guys out. But I think eventually what we're going to see is especially some of these like the Cure Bowl and and the Boca Raton Bowl. um, I think you're going to see those turn into spring game light. Um, and, and you're going to start to see some of the young players and you're going to get an idea of what you have going into spring practice. I don't think it's a bad thing that those players opted out. I think it's important that we see what's there. We heard you mentioned it earlier um, before we got on here. Jamarcus Weston was a guy who was really hyped up by Dan Mullen. I don't know that he has a single catch this year. I don't remember hearing his name. <laughs> um I want to see Emory get in there. I hope he plays the entire second half. I'd like to see what we're going to have next year without obviously giving away anything too much. Um, But I think what what we're starting to see is exactly what I've thought for the last few years in that this game doesn't mean as much to the coaches as bowl games used to. Now this is a new year six bowl. It's a little bit different. I'll give you that. But especially with some of those other bowls, I think that, it's, it's becoming the trend where, you know, if you've got players that are NFL caliber, there is no reason for them to play in any bowls that are under a New Year's Six bowl. Yeah, um, that is starting to be a trend now. Uh, and that, uh, I expected some opt-outs before this, this, this year. I, I, I figured with Kyle Trask playing in this game that 
maybe the wide receivers would stay just to have one more ride with Kyle Trask and then call it a call it a year. But it's understandable, man. When you got all that money flashed in front of you, man, it's kind of hard to turn down. But uh, yeah, um, just I don't know, man. I, I'm kind of bummed a little bit. Um, I wanted to see one last ride from this offense. I wanted to get a win here, considering your last two games that you had losses in and one of them was a heartbreaking loss to LSU that a game that you should have completely torched LSU the whole game and you I mean you did but I don't know man I I, I just want to see a victory I want to go out on the victory the the the, the season ended on a sour note here and uh I kind of just want to see a Gators victory but uh I just don't with everything there's too much to question and, and for me if I was betting my money it's hard for me to pick Florida now because there's just questions everywhere. I, w- I mean, if I was betting money, I would pick Oklahoma right now, even with a spread. But, I mean, that doesn't mean that I'm dumbing down any of the Florida's players or, or Kyle Trask's quarterback play because I know his quarterback's elite. So, uh, it's just there's too many questions. But at the same time, uh, I, I think both teams have a good good reason of how they could win the game. And it's just whoever – it comes down to whoever could execute and who, who can't. And – uh I don't know what your take is, Jake. I know uh, me and Brian have been blathering on for about uh, twenty minutes. Uh, uh, Jake, uh, what do you what are your thoughts about this game, man? Uh, my take is Rick Wells is going to win the Con Ball MVP. Uh, it's just uh, how I see it. You also said Not Coastal true. Carolina was going to make it to the playoff and win the national championship, and they just lost <laughs> last week. Oh, that was I hate that Liberty did everything to lose that game and still somehow won it, and I'm angry about it. But it was a good game, though. Point, it was. But in all seriousness, I think I said it before, this was going to be a tough game for Florida, even without the opt-outs. Um, now with them, it's hard to see how they do with it. But like I said, they can lean on those big-time, you know, on those younger guys who actually got big-time experience. But I think I said earlier before we started recording, and – David, you said in the opposite way. Me, I'm, I interpret it. This is a way for Dan to show that he can recruit and develop young talent with all of these guys out because you now have to rely on them so much. You know, you have, he loved, like you mentioned, Jamarcus Weston. He loves Jamarcus Weston. So if Jamarcus Weston gets some run and comes out there and balls out, it shows that, you know, Dan might be knowing what he's doing and Billy's a great coach and. You know, yada, 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 kind of stuff like that. But if not, I mean, then we'll all just go home saying, ah, the bowl game was meaningless anyway. It doesn't really matter. We had four guys out. You know, it would just be a run-of-the-mill game. But I think Dan could treat it like a way to be like, all right, show me what you got. Spring practice starts after this game, you know, kind of deal. I, yeah, I'm curious to I'm curious to see if we do see Emory Jones. Like, if, if say if uh, Oklahoma starts getting to the quarterback a lot, it's starting to get Kyle Trask. The offense is kind of struggling. Will we see Emory Jones in there a little bit with some design runs, maybe even some design passes, some trick runs, something like that? I, I I think Dan Mullen is smart enough to get offense out of a turd. If he had put a turd in front of him, he could probably get an offense out of it. But uh, I, I'm not going to count Florida out just based on Dan Mullen's knowledge to running offense and, and and he's he's shown with Jim McElwain three star talent that he can get a thirty average thirty plus points per game with just a bunch of McElwain three star talent. I mean, obviously on the defensive side of the ball, that's that's a different story. So that's that's the only thing that worries me here. But um 
I mean, we're going to see. We're going to see how Dan Mullen's recruited over the past three years. This is his fourth year going into his – so now he's recruited all of his guys after this year. He'll have his guys on, on, on campus. Well, now with the extra year of eligibility, so there still might be some McElwain guys out there. But um, you're going to see how well Dan Mullen's recruited. I know a lot of people were complaining about not having a top-five class after two New Year's Six Bowl games in a row and beating Georgia. And uh, now – we're going to see if Dan Mullen had a good eye for talent or if he was better than the scouts were. Yeah, I completely agree. I think we've all kind of criticized Dan Mullen when it comes to recruiting. Even this year's class was only ranked eighth, and yet we're all like clapping and like, oh, hey, that's great. Okay, let's see. Let's wait till it gets on the field. Um, but no, I, I agree. We've talked about this. I think there was a stat out there, maybe on Twitter, where nine of the guys that were starting in the SEC championship game on the offensive side of the ball were Jim McElwain recruits. Yeah. Nine guys. That's that's pretty incredible. And the other two weren't weren't guys that were high school guys that Dan Mullen brought in. They were transfers. <laughs> um, so we're we're about to learn a lot about Dan Mullen, his recruiting. And right now, a lot of people, especially uh, on, on the social media sphere, think that Dan Mullen is not a very good recruiter. Uh, and we're going to learn that. What does it say about uh, – what does it say more about Dan Mullen or Jim McElwain that – all of these offense, these last two offenses, and probably three have been pretty good. All with McElwain's guys. You know, we talked about how good the wide receiving core was, and it's all Jim McElwain recruits. And Dave, before you jump in, because I know you have a certain feeling, I'm actually I don't dislike Jim McElwain. I never did. I thought the death threats thing was absolutely ridiculous and probably deserving of being fired, but. You guys got to remember, he had a top five class when he got fired. Dan Mullen turned that into the 14th ranked class, okay? <laughs> the way I look at it, they got what they deserved. And it should have been worse. Talking about that guy, right? Hey, look, his personality maybe wasn't a fit, but the guy saw talent. Him and Nussmeyer, and, and don't get me started, I don't like Nussmeyer. I'm not taking credit for Nussmeyer at all. But – they had an they had an eye for talent. This was a two star quarterback that had no other FBS offers in Kyle Trask. Hey, don't you just don't you discredit North Texas? He had an offer from them. My bad. <laughs> yeah, he's also able to scoop up Jabbar Chase, who we saw uh, last year, especially for LSU, has been a, a, a complete blunt force out there for them uh, uh, on offense. So yeah, I mean, I get where you're coming from. Jim McElwain, I felt like he had started to build those inroads into the high schools in Florida and throughout, and he started getting his name out there. And then, you know, I don't know what just happened. It was just a, a, a lot of things happened at once, and it just kind of all fell on his head. But I thought he was figuring it out, and I thought he was figuring out the recruiting game, and that was the most important. Like you said, Jamar Chase, they had Matt Corral, and we saw that Matt Corral has a ton of potential. Uh, Who knows? If Clarabelle had been a five-star recruit, maybe we could have gotten Clarabelle on campus, okay? Well, one shark and one death threat later, Jim McElwain is gone, and now uh, Dan Mullen is our – is our head coach here over at the University of Florida? And, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens, man. This is going to be his guys. This is going to be his, most of most of this is going to be his guys, and uh, we'll, we'll be interesting to see, man, what 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 we can turn out here with the with this young talent. And uh, Brian, I know you did some over and under as you do every week for us here on the preview show. Do you want to get into some of that? Yeah, let's go ahead and get into some buy buy or sell. Buy or sell. Um, My bad. 
Yeah, no worries. So let's do Kyle Trask, 350.5 yards. So does he go over 350 yards? I have to give it to him, man. He's he's proven to average, I think it's right around his average right there is like 350 yards a game. I know now he's missing some of the talent, but I think I think Kyle Trask is still an elite enough quarterback to, to surpass that, even against a – we've seen him play top defenses and still completely torch their secondaries. Uh, he makes great decisions in the pocket, and he makes them fast. He knows how to look off defenders. He knows how to look off safeties. And uh, he's just really quick and accurate with the ball. Every now and then there is a time or two where I think he holds onto the ball for a little bit, probably throw it out of bounds, but uh, no quarterback is perfect. And uh, Kyle Trask has just been elite this whole year. So I'm going to give him that 350. I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over two because they throw the ball too much for him not to do it. Right. I'm going to go under because I think we're going to see a lot of Emory Jones in this game. And I think that's the only way that we do go under because I think Kyle Trask and this team is going to throw the ball a lot. (laughs) And technically, 340 is still under 350. Technically. (laughs) uh, So let's do this. How about UF rushing yards? By yourself, Florida rushes for 120 yards or more. Well, to your credit, Brian, I think we do see Emory Jones a lot more. And I think we're going to have to have some kind of run to help this young this young wide receiver core out. So I'll go over, but at the same time. Um, and Dave, just before before you have that thought, I just want to share with you, by saying over here, you're saying that there's a minimum of 470 yards that floor is going to put up on this defense. You were so raving about just a few minutes ago. Hey, you know, I'm Mr. Optimistic <laughs> and I'm going to, I'm going to teach you a thing too. All right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, I'll go. But at the same time, I also know when the, when the running game has been struggling, you've seen a lot of throws to the running backs. So that's technically not rushing yards. It's more of passing yards. So that one's kind of hard, but um, I think, I'm going to go over. I, I I don't think that they have like a crazy amount of rushing yards, though. I don't think they go way over 120, but I, I could see them getting 120 on some design runs maybe. And, and, and who knows? Maybe Florida comes out and completely annihilates their defensive line. I mean, Oklahoma hasn't really played a tough opponent on their schedule, maybe a top ten, one top 10 opponent, and they lost one of those games, and then they won the rematch. But uh, I'll go over. I, I'm, going to give, I'm going to give them a little bit of credit. I'll go over. Gonna go sell, sell because Florida. It's two of its last three games. They didn't even break. And in the loss to LSU, their best run play was basically a draw. So I'm gonna go sell. Yeah, and I went over. Like I said, I think Emory's gonna see probably the whole second half. Um, you know, at least the fourth quarter. And I think Emory, with Emory out there, we're going to see more of what this offense is going to be like next year, assuming Kyle Trask doesn't come back. And I think it's going to be very run heavy. Um, all right. Next up, Spencer Radler. Does he complete 69.5% of his passes? Yes. With, with Marco Wilson out in the game, I still say yes. <laughs> uh, I just. Unless uh, the defense just completely 
I don't know, shows out, has one of those games that, like, you're just like, where the hell is this defense all year? Uh, I could go under on that one, but I'm going to go over. I just, uh, I, I believe in the defense, but I just don't believe in them that much. I don't know. The decimal place is what has me, uh, is what has me screwed up. Because, like, you know, I could see 69, but we don't know what it's going to be. It could be 69, could be 69 and a half, could be 70. So that's why I hate you, Brian, for putting 69 and a half there. But I do think he throws for at least that much. Yes. See, you know, it's funny. Dave, Dave, you kind of mentioned that you don't think that Florida is going to put up the defensive effort we haven't seen all year. I know you call yourself the optimist. I think this is the game that it all comes together. And wouldn't it be something if Marco wasn't on the field when this happened? But I just, I think you've got a redshirt freshman quarterback. He hasn't gone up against this SEC talent. I think this is when the defense finally puts it all together. And I, I think he finishes less than 69.5%. That's a high percentage. That's more than his season percentage. His season percentage is only, what, 68.5%? I just I don't see him matching that against a physical Florida defense. And if Florida's able to get any pressure at all, it's going to make it even more difficult. Which, by the way, that'll roll me into the next one. Does Florida's defense get two and a half sacks, so more than two sacks? Yeah, I'll buy that. I I think they could get pressure. Um, and I also think that there's, you know, Grantham, he also obviously likes to blitz the ball of uh, I think they I think they could get it with Brenton Cox and Zachary Carter and company. Now, if some of those players had opted out, I would have told you no. But I, I think they're worthy of doing that. So I'll go, I'll go over on that one. But it's like a in the middle over. Yeah, I'll just go over. Yeah, I could see uh, I could see Florida's defense getting at least that many sacks, mostly because they had a good amount of sacks against Alabama. And to your credit, Brian, to your point. Some of those were coverage sacks. So I'm going to go yes. Yeah, I'm also going yes again. Like I said, man, I'm, I'm thinking this is the week that it all just comes together. Uh, there's not really any pressure on this team anymore. That hasn't been said since the loss to Texas A&M. They can kind of sit back, relax, and just, just let it. These guys are talented. We've seen it. Very few of these guys have never done this. So now they just got to put it together, and this, is, I think, is the perfect storm for them to just go out and, and ball. Um, all right. I threw this one in there. Uh, you guys probably know right about where I'm leaning here, but Emory Jones, 1.5 touchdowns accounted for passing and rushing. Hmm. I'll go sell. What about you, Jake? I will buy it because yeah, I take risks and life is not anything without risks. My friend. Yeah, and I'm buying as well. Know. Like I said, yeah, I th- I could be with you. I think uh, I think Emory could get a good amount of touches in this game. So, regardless of how the score is, so I would agree with you. I think they could get they could get at least one and a half out of them. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. I I think at minimum two, and and it could be more than that if if Dan allows Emory to open it up. So we'll we'll have to wait and see. But uh, all right. So these ones, uh, it's not really unders and overs. It's more of um. You got to pick a player. Question: Who is going to lead the Gators in receptions and yards receiving? I think that's going to be. Hmm, that's a that's a good one. I think I'm going to go ahead and pick Justin Shorter. I'll go ahead and pick him. Most experienced receiver out there. Uh, he's proven to have sure hands when the ball's thrown accurately to him. I mean, he had a catch like Travon Grimes did in the Arkansas game against one of the Arkansas defenders. Amazing catch. He's got good size. He's got good speed. 
they're going to have to rely on somebody that that can um, you know get that explosive play, and I think Justin Shorter can do that. I think he'll have the most yards, but at the same time, I'm also thinking that there could be a lot of running back, a lot of running back catches this game, uh, especially if they're the the run game's not going for him. I was going to pick Malik Davis in that category because I know that he's had games where he's had over 100 yards, and uh, but uh, I, I'm just going to go with shorter. Yeah, I think your your top choices for this would be probably like Justin Shorter, Malik Davis, Nikwan Wright. I, if I could pick, I would probably just say like running back in general, but I can't. Um, so I would go either Malik Davis, and then I'm going to go Wildcat here and go Kamori Gamble against. I like it. Yeah, so I'm going with Malik Davis to take the the number of catches. I think he might get six or seven, especially once you see Emery come in. You could see a combination of those wheel routes. You could see just him coming out in the flat. Uh, there's a lot of options. As far as yardage, um, Justin Shorter was my first thought, but I think because there's so much film on Justin Shorter that they're going to key in on Shorter. So I'm going with Henderson. Uh, because Kyle Trask has thrown to Henderson. We've seen Henderson get on the field quite a bit this year. So I, I want to see what he can do, a true freshman. And, and I mean, he's got all the skills. And, you know, it, it's kind of sad that we're not going to see Jacob Copeland in this game. I think this was the the stage for Copeland with, um, with Grimes and with Pitts and with, Tra- uh, excuse me, Tony all sitting out this one. Uh, I thought it was Copeland's to take, but unfortunately, uh, you know, he, he – tested positive for the for covid so here we are and so that that's my choices on that i do have one more for you guys um who is your x factor for a florida win and why x factor uh, let's see i i'm gonna pick rick wells uh rick wells he's been sitting behind all those receivers uh we've seen him make good plays we also seen him uh, you know his foot out of the end zone there one on a, on one play that he should have just put his feet down but I think Rick Wells has been hungry ever since he's been behind all these great, talented white receivers. I think he he shows out here. He's shown his talents, and I and he's he's got a lot of experience, especially in practice. He's an he's an older guy, and I think he'll be the X factor in this game. But also, whoever's returning kicks could be an X factor in this game too. It's just I I have no clue who's doing it, so I can't really pick a person in in, in that because, um, you know, you get somebody else out there returning kicks, get you. A, a touchdown, get you at the 50-yard line, something like that. That could be a huge edge factor to the game, too. I want to go with Xavier Henderson because – or Xavier Henderson, I don't know. But because we've been talking about all these different guys, and I think if he can get going, that's a legit like third option for Kyle Trask because the, they're going to try to get to the tight ends because they've been a little bit more proven – they can try to get it to shorter because he's the only guy who's really, you know, the most experienced. They're going to use the running backs, but if Baby Hendo can get it going, that can really be good. I would also want to see, think Damian Pierce. I don't know why. I just think he's been kind of quiet. We haven't really heard from him too much. Um, if they get the running game going, expect him to be the leader for it. So, and if they if he leads that running game, that can really help Florida win this football. game. And you saw Dan Mullen and company do that last year in the bowl game. LaMichael Pirine had a pretty quiet year, but, man, he had a coming out party in that bowl game last year. Yeah, he had multiple touchdowns. That might have got him drafted. 
Yeah, my choice for uh, the X Factor, I'm going to go with Kamori Gamble. Uh, this is a guy who has had the chance to learn from literally maybe the best tight end that UF has ever had. And we saw what a difference the tight end makes in that LSU game. And he's got to be a big force when they get down into the red zone. Uh, so that's that's what I have for the, the buy or sell, under, over, whatever you want to call it today, Dave. All right, I actually got one for you guys before we kind of end this. What... Do you think, what do you think we will see? Uh, I, I know what we want to see, but what do you think we will see? Uh, I mean, I, I guess we kind of went over that a little bit, but uh, I, I think that we're... Without giving our prediction just yet? <laughs> yeah, without giving our prediction. I, I, I think we'll see, obviously we're going to see somebody different on special teams. I think we're going to see Lingard returning kicks or Malik Davis. It's going to be one Malik of I think Malik Davis teams. is probably going to be returning the kicks. That's, that's probably right now, besides a wide receiver on the team, probably the two fastest guys. I would put them out there. And Malik Davis has shown he's had sure hands catching the ball. Not fumbling the ball, but uh, catching the ball. But uh, I think it's going to be Malik Davis or Lorenzo Lingard back there in special teams. Uh, Jake, do you think that there might be a surprise or anything that we see this game? Hmm. I don't know. I can't think of anything right now. No cleats um, throw. I think we see. I think we see good match trick plays maybe. Yeah. I think we will too. We don't even have Kadarius Tony to throw the football down the field for us. It's going to have to be somebody else. <laughs> yeah, like I said, we won't see any cleats thrown. Marco Wilson's not playing, so we're good on that deal. But uh, yeah, uh, we're going to go ahead and go into these game predictions here. Um, uh, if Brian or Jake wants to go first, I'll go ahead and I'll go in the middle between you guys. Whoever goes first, I'll go second. Jay, go ahead. Oh, gosh. Well, I already wrote mine, and then all the opt-outs happened. So I kind of have, like, no idea what's going to happen in this game. Um, I think we're going to have a lot of points regardless because this is the two two of the best offensive minds in football going against each other. And I think regardless of whether Dan has nobody there or he has all of his weapons there, he's going to find a way to put up points. And I'm sure he already had those conversations with all those guys, so he's been trying to make that game plan already and trying to get his guys prepared. So I think we'll see a lot of points scored, a lot of no defense being played. And, you know, I'm just going to go with my gut. I'll, I had him a little bit higher in terms of points, but I'll stick with the Gators. Now the Gators win in 35-28. Yeah, Brian, you asked me earlier today, and I had a score around that similar mark, but I picked Oklahoma only because probably I was halfway angry because I was just like, what am I looking at on my phone? What's going on? And uh, I wasn't angry at the fact that they opted out. I mean, that's, I mean, like I said, with the money's waved in front of you, you want to opt, uh, that, that's cool. It's whatever. Um, but I said 36 to 30, but I'm going to swing it back over to Florida. I think Florida wins 36 to 30. I think it's going to be, I don't think Florida's going to put up, Big time numbers is scoring wise, just based on how young these receivers are. But I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe Florida throws up another 50, 60 points, even with without what they had. I mean, they've they've proven they can do it without Kyle Pitts. Um, but now you're missing a plethora of good receivers now too. So uh, I think the score. I think Florida's going to score points. I don't think they're going to score past the 40s. I hope they do. Uh, but I think Kyle Trask has another at least 300 yard plus day. And uh, I think Florida squeaks out a victory here, 36 to 30. I think the defense, like you said, probably plays a little bit better. And uh, I think they want to get this win, man. I think Florida's a lot more hungrier for this win just based on the fact that they're 
last two games ended in losses. Uh, one of both of them were very upsetting for the team, but not as not as upsetting as the LSU game for the fans. And I think Florida really wants to get out of victory for this team. I think Dan Mullen wants to get out of the Cotton Bowl with his third New Year's Six Bowl win in a row. I think Florida will win thirty six to thirty. Yeah, so I'm taking Florida 35 to 20. I don't think that this Oklahoma team can keep up with this Florida team um, offensively or even defensively. I know what the stats say and how Oklahoma is ranked, you know, in the top 15, top 20 of total defenses. But yeah, I just, uh, I mean, I, I think this is a good Florida team and Dan Mullen has a way of getting his guys juice for these New Year's Six games. Just two years ago, I remember I went up to Michigan thinking uh, up to um, Atlanta thinking that Michigan was going to beat the holy hell out of Florida and they didn't. And Florida did the exact opposite. They did it to them. Um, I, I expect much of the same. And I think they do that even with Emory coming into the game. Like I said, maybe for the entire second half, who knows? Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I'm looking forward to this. I, I think it's going to be a really good game. I think the first half is going to be a little bit of a defensive struggle. Uh, maybe, maybe the first quarter. And then I think Kyle Trask and, and company kind of kick it up a notch there in the second before halftime. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my thoughts. I got Florida 35 to 20. Yeah. And I think that we're, I don't even say that we're not giving Kyle Trask enough credit, but I just, it's just part of the receivers. But I mean, Kyle Trask, he, he's, he's improving his arm strength, obviously, this year. He's improving his mechanics. He's improving everything about his game. He's gotten more accurate. And you still have an elite quarterback out there that you're having to play against. And I think that's going to be a little bit too much for Oklahoma. And I hope it is. But Florida's going to have a tough task on defense, especially against that running back. Um, I think both teams give up points. I just think Florida with the experienced quarterback and, and Oklahoma with the, the freshman quarterback, uh, I, I think that Florida can squeak out a victory here. But, yeah, anyway, uh, we did have some voicemails in our voicemail line. Uh, we actually had two voicemails come in from some of the fans at Facebook and uh, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and play the first one for everybody. Um, no Twitter, just Facebook. And Alexander. So, uh, looks like Ann Alexander left us a message. She didn't really leave us a question or anything. Probably just a shout-out there. So, uh, yeah, shout-out to Ann Alexander there on uh, Facebook. Uh, any of y'all want to give her a shout-out real quick? Hey, Ann, just thanks for listening. Uh, we appreciate your support. Go Gators. Yeah, thank you for listening in. Uh, Jake, you want to give her a little shout-out, man? Yeah, thank you for listening to all the bad takes I have. <laughs> we have to we have to support people like me. <laughs> All right, folks, we have our second message coming in from once again the uh the king of kings over there on Facebook of his uh Facebook group and all kinds of weather. That is Lucas Mann. And here is the voicemail. This offense reminds me of the two of one offense as much and wrecking all the my receivers that we had. But the defense is Kind of reminds me of the 07 defense, but a little more experienced. If we can play up against, play to our full potential this, this game for the Cotton Bowl, it could be a very special game and we could, we could go out with a bang. I'm going to say the score is 38 31 Florida 
Paul Jones for, for 40 yards, four touchdowns, and he's the MVP of the game, and he goes, goes on the NFL. I hope he gets drafted by the Bears because they're my team. And I really want, really want the Bears to draft him. And that was all of it. Um, so, yeah, Lucas Mann predicting a 38-31 to 31 victory for the Florida Gators. I believe he said Kyle Trask would throw for 400 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, yeah, uh, I hope he does. And, Dave, <laughs> he, also, he also made the point that he thinks that this offense is a lot like the 2001 offense. And maybe the parallels aren't exactly, you know, to the T or whatever, but – this 2001 team had sexy Rexy at quarterback who got screwed out of a Heisman trophy. And you're probably going to see that this year with Kyle Trask, <laughs> Eric, Krause, so Lucas, baby. Lucas, I agree with you. <laughs> he also said he hopes he goes to the bears. Cause that's his favorite team. So, uh, I'm not going to agree with that one. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you want him to go, Brian? Uh, I don't know, but Chicago has been a quarterback graveyard. So <laughs> let's not do that. <laughs> I want to go to the chiefs because you can watch, uh, he just, he won't play forever. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he can learn and he'll be in a good, he'll be with a, actually he won't be with, you know, because Andy Reid's going to retire. So I, I don't know. It's, I think new Orleans would be a good spot for him. Let him be the successor to drew Blee, drew Brees, because you know, Taysom Hill's not getting that job. So new Orleans would be a really good fit for him. My team isn't a rival with them, so I can root for him. <laughs> no, nah, you gotta go with, uh, don't, don't, don't you just credit my boy Jabu though. <laughs> the only member of the 3030 club. James yeah, he, Winston. He discredits himself. I don't have to discredit Jameis Winston. <laughs> and, hey, look, I, I live down here in Atlanta, and I'm not a big NFL guy. I, I'm not an Atlanta Falcons fan. I'm not anything like that. But uh, I, I've heard a lot of talk about, hey, let's just take Kyle Trask because uh, Matt Ryan keeps choking in these games, and he's getting worse every year. And uh, they don't have a good record. They have only won, like, four games. So You guys are going to get a trade Lancer, Zach Wilson. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know where Kyle Trask is going to go in the draft, but I know Kyle Pitts. They they've also talked about getting Kyle Pitts after losing their uh, I think their tight end name was Gonzalez or something or something like that. They had a really good tight end over there for a while, but uh, I think uh, I don't know who the Falcons is going to draft, but I really don't care. But uh, I, I, I it's I am curious to see where Trask gets drafted and Kyle Pitts. I know uh, Kadarius Tony. Travon Grimes, uh, they they might go later on in the draft, but I'm curious to see just those two. I, I know Pitts is going to be a first rounder. Not sure about where Trask is going to be in that little that that area over there, but I'm going to be watching the draft to see, and I'm going to see how they do in the NFL next season. But uh, yeah, that was all the voicemails on our voicemail line. Uh, that is the end of this preview show for the Florida versus Oklahoma Sooners game, Cotton Bowl game here in Arlington, Texas. Brian, Jake, do you guys have anything else to add before we sign off the air? Uh, not that I know of. I think, uh, I just want to say, I don't even think Kyle Trask is in the top four of the NFL of ESPN's like top QB prospects. I think it goes, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, and Mac Jones. Yeah. I'll just be curious to see what round he goes in. I mean, what team I, I could, I mean, I'm sure they care, but I could care less where they go, but I just would like to see, I mean, where they go in the draft, but I was just curious to see what team they go to. I actually, I actually want to see the combine times too of uh, Trevon Grimes, Kadarius Tony, and, and, and Pitts. I know Kyle, Kyle Trask's combine times probably gonna be like a six 
40 yard dash or something like that. But uh, he's still faster than me, <laughs> right? Probably faster than me, too, and uh, a lot more heavier. And uh, I've got a way better arm and uh, probably throws the ball way better than most of the quarterbacks in that in that setting. All right, so my final thought is a simple question. I ask, is Kyle Trask thinking about returning to Florida next year? I ask this because with his top four targets opting out to prepare for the NFL, Trask is severely handcuffed in this game. Kyle Trask has nothing to gain, but he does have everything to lose uh, with, a pro, with a poor performance. I understand that Trask waited for the opportunity to play at UF. We all know the story. But if he's, going, but if he's not coming back, what is he doing playing this game? I love Kyle Trask. I love what he's done at UF. I think he has single-handedly resurrected the quarterback room here at UF. I think Kyle Trask deserves and should win the Heisman Trophy. However, all that said, this is a game that he should take a back seat while Emory Jones takes the wheel unless he's coming back next year. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because we were actually talking about that, I think, last week. Uh, me and you were talking about that on the phone. And uh, I think part of me thinks Kyle Trask is a little upset the way that this season went. And I think that he thinks maybe if he comes back one more year, he can do a lot. He can do much better for the team and, and get the year that he wanted out of college. Uh, but I also think that he's playing this game just, uh, I mean, just for his team. Uh, just to go out the right way. Right. And I, and I felt, I, I kind of felt the same way until all of these guys opted out today. He's without his top four receivers. He's going to be throwing to guys that he wasn't even throwing to in practice. These were Emory's guys. This was the practice squad. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, I, I, I would say I'm 80, 20 on it. I think 80% of me is going, I think he's going to the NFL. I think 20% he's, he's returning. But um, see, I think if he gets a draft grade that says that he's going to be a fourth round pick, he's got nothing to lose by coming back next year. Yeah, you guys are just forgetting the main thing about Kyle Trask. What's that? The dude is from Texas. Okay, he grew up like four hours from Dallas. He's going to have family there. There's no way he wouldn't not play in Texas, even if he was going to the NFL. He could get drafted by the Cowboys if he wants to play in Texas. Houston's an option. <laughs> right. That's what I was thinking right as he said that. New Orleans is pretty close just to throw it out there. <laughs> yeah, and Drew Brees is getting up there in age, man. Um, uh, not to say that he's still not an elite quarterback, but, he, uh, you know, uh, the, the older they get, the, uh, you know, I mean, Tom Brady's still there. I, I, how, Peyton Manning was, was there for a long time, but uh, – Anyway, yeah, I mean, good, interesting conversation for where these quarterbacks or where Kyle Trask and some of these quarterbacks will be going in the NFL draft. Also, you know, uh, he said, you know, does Kyle Trask return for another year or does he go to the NFL? He said he wasn't going to mention that till after the game. So I guess after the Cotton Bowl, sometime after that, we'll find out. But uh, folks, that'll do it for this episode of the Gridiron Growl podcast preview show for the Florida Gators facing off the, the Oklahoma Sooners in the Cotton Bowl in Arlington, Texas. I'd like to thank Brian and Jake for joining me here on the podcast as they do every week, previewing the show. Brian being the lead man here in charge at Chomp Talk, and Jake hit grading the Gators for us every week on ChompTalk.com. So, folks, thank you all for listening to this preview show from ChompTalk.com. <laughs> <laughs>